In her best-selling book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Dr. Brene Brown describes shame as always involving a social context. Shame is not just one of many bad feelings we have, but the feeling of being unworthy of belonging and of people. Shame ultimately isolates us from community. Now, this is bad enough when it's just between people, but even worse when shame isolates us from God himself, making us feel unworthy of him. Okay, so that's the bad news. What's the good news? Well, the good news, or the bearers of good news today, will be our guest speaker, one Father Dave Tremble, ably assisted by a little duckling. You're listening to The Myth Pilgrim, and I am Brother Lawrence of the Missionaries of God's Love. At its heart, the spiritual journey is a delightful and perilous adventure, just like the myths and fairy tales we love. This podcast is also a journey, learning from both wizards and saints, enchanted princesses and inner demons. Together, we'll discover how the great symbols of myth and fairy tale can guide us on our spiritual journey to God. So, our guest speaker today, Father Dave Tremble, is currently a priest with the Missionaries of God's Love, and he also happens to be one of my favourite people. I met Dave before I even joined the MGLs, and what we were supposed to be doing was regularly catching up to help me discern my call to the priesthood. But we usually ended up just jabbering about our mutual love for art and for icons and for stories or the latest profound message in the movie that we had just seen, usually over a cup of tea and take of our noodles, something which we still do today as a ritual. Dave has an incredible passion for people with a pastoral heart for the most vulnerable among us. I'm convinced his compassion draws from his own personal story of how the Lord has ministered to him in his place of greatest wounding. Today, I can literally think of no better person to explore the topic of shame and belonging than Father Dave. And so, here I present our conversation. So Dave, over breakfast, we were talking about the importance of children's stories and or stories in general, and then you were sharing about how one of them in particular was very formative for you and still continues to be so. Could you tell us that story? Yeah, you know, we were talking about the ugly duckling. And for those who may not be familiar, this was Hans Christian Andersen, and it was this whole emerging little egg that was with a batch of other duckling eggs. And as this one emerged, it was different. Um, So even one of the other little ducklings was saying, you're ugly. And and so the ugly duckling uh, quickly realized that it was different and it it didn't fit. And it drew the conclusion um, that maybe it would be better if it left. So there's this kind of uh, really sad, uh, like emerging um, feelings of, of rejection, really, and, and needing to isolate to protect people because it was ugly. Uh, and I mean, as the story develops just briefly, I think it then settled with a, 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 another flock, <laughs> um, which we as the reader, as the listener, uh, we get to know that these were geese. And I think because they're a bit bigger, 
um, that it felt that it sort of fitted in a little bit more. Uh, but in the story, I think the hunter comes along and the, this, this group's dispersed as well. And then it gets found by some humans uh, that, that hope that it might, um, they look upon it as ugly as well, um, but see that it might be able to be productive and might produce some eggs for them. But it just seems that this poor little ugly duckling that doesn't fit anywhere also can't sort of, it disappoints them too because it doesn't come forth with any eggs. Um, and it gets shooed away. And finally, after a really harsh winter experience um, of being alone and, and cold and, and weathering very unknown, uh, scary sort of season, um, coming through all that in the new spring, it, one day it's by the lake and it sees oh, these, these beautiful creatures, like it doesn't have a name for them. But, and, but as... As the ugly ducklings are drawn into the wonder of these new creatures, it's also aware of needing to protect them from itself. Dare it go any closer, you know, because it very much has learned all through its formative sort of years that, that it's different and it's ugly. So, but what happens is one of the creatures approaches, approaches the ugly duckling and, and says, oh, look at you, look at your white wings. And it's only... From the the um, the permission, I suppose, or the attention of this other, that it actually starts to look anew at itself and discovers that as it looks then into the water, reflected back is this. It, it's similar to these wonderful creatures. Uh, it, it's beautiful, and um, that that he'd uh, transformed, as it were, and could see that that he was. He was a swan um, and he had then found his tribe. <laughs> I think what happened is that, that that has captured me over the years because I was born as a little fella uh, with a condition where my Achilles tendon on both legs didn't form and I was unable to put my heel on the ground and just to walk like other kids. And being mum and dad's first child for a while, it went went a little bit... Um, unnoticed as a condition because they just understood that I was learning how to walk. But it wasn't until the age of seven I had surgery. And just briefly, obviously, I was already walking around my toes. I was already different from the other kids. Um, and then even after surgery, I was behind the eight ball with being confident in having any competency in sports and bonding with team. So I kind of wasn't kind of with the fellas and I didn't want to be identified with the girls. I was kind of a bit of a, a loner. So the ugly duckling's experience of knowing itself as only as different and not really fitting in was very much my story. And what I wanted to kind of shift to is that when I was about 18, um, I went across to a youth camp uh, that I was invited to. And all of a sudden, young people who were the very context of my wounding during primary school and then early high school um young people <laughs> um i i they then became uh on this camp uh the instrument to me of a, a level of honesty about their own insecurities see no one it, i felt like i was the one longing to try to belong and to to connect um 
but all of a sudden I felt in this group and, and in this weekend that um, they were actually identifying my struggle to connect and to belong. And they were being very honest about that. And, and yet they were pointing to something beautiful and wonderful, the love of God. And that rather than having to protect ourselves from something so wonderful and beautiful, that we actually, we were deeply connected with that and part of that. Um, just as the ugly duckling awoke to that in the way that he saw reflected in the water, his own, um, something of his own beauty, I, I found that their ability to point me to another reference, they kind of, they kind of brought me to a place of saying, well, actually, maybe my place is truly understood better if I start from what, how does God see me? Who, who am I in the eyes of God? Um, I'd only just had the loud kind of echoes of, of, of not belonging and the ugliness like the ugly duckling. Um, but all of a sudden this, this became a whole new uh, a revelation of, of I was loved by God. Mm, that's beautiful. No, thank you. Thank you, Father Dave. Um, as you were telling the story again, what about, it's almost like the little duckling almost being a Christ figure. You know, like Isaiah talks about the man of sorrows, the man familiar with being rejected and despised and shunned and he's, he's ugly. I don't know, like, it's just something that, that kind of struck me. Um, have you seen it in your own journey that way at all? Or? It's, it's interesting because of the connection with the youth camp when I was aware of starting to see things differently. Um, during the, the Saturday night of the, of, the, of the weekend, we had an opportunity for reconciliation for the sacrament. Of, like A lot of people would understand that like a confession. Um, but before that was made available, uh, there was this beautiful invitation it became very strongly visual, projected up onto one of the walls around this beautiful in, in interior fire. The images from the stations of, of, of the cross. And what happened was it, it, it spoke to what was going on in my own mind and my own struggle. I just heard this pitch to go to reconciliation and part of me was really resistant I think there was some shame and there was some stuff that I'd never really allowed to sort of air out and to, to share and to put words on. Uh, part of it was my stuff. Part of it was stuff I was carrying from, from things that had sort of been um, uh, sort of spoken into my life, even, even things that now I've come to know that are lies. Um, but that, all of that mess, that sort of sense of ugliness was kind of, there was almost a resistance to go there. But when I um, saw this close-up of Jesus and the ugliness of the crown of thorns around him, pressing into him from this fall, but when I saw in his face, not only beyond the pain he was, he was entering into, I saw this determination to keep getting up and to keep moving to Calvary. And it kind of connected with the pitch that had been given, that he would have done that if, even if I was the only one on earth. So I... Part of that grace, that courage, that, that growing uh, movement of the Spirit in me, 
I, I just had this very simple prayer. I just remember saying, dear, dear Lord, if you had the courage to get up and to keep going to Calvary for me from that place of pain, give me what I need to get up and to go to confession for you. That recognition that Jesus was someone safe because he'd experienced the rejection that I'd experienced that, or the ugly duckling for that matter, and that in Jesus he was able to rise up, that already the power that transformed his death into um, risen power, that, that was already present in him as well. That was what galvanized him to keep moving. It was the love he knew reflected to him from his father that there's something of the resurrection already present in those, those in, in the worst moment of, of, um, of when he was slammed upon the cross. Um, so it seems that, you know, the beauty of, of, the, of the ugly duckling, um, when we read the story as an adult, we know that it probably was a swan the whole time and, it, and the egg had got misplaced into the wrong batch, right? And it seems to me that um, that Jesus also um, was a swan all the time, but he, through the love of God, was placed in among the lot that we all share. And, 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 and as he emerged, he, he was vulnerable like we are, and he experienced the rejection. And, the, and the, um, you know, even, even the cross happened outside the walls of Jerusalem. He wasn't even allowed to be in where everyone else would have normally been. Um, very much that sense of the outcast, but already the the beauty of his ability to move through that in love and as a response to being loved, and that's the same power that was at work even in the tomb, beyond the cross that that lifted him in resurrection. So, yeah, I think it's powerful that you would see the link between the ugly duckling and Jesus. Um, you know the full glory, if you like, of the resurrection is like the swan um, extending its wings and, and, and letting the, the, you know, that beautiful kind of taking <laughs> off, soaring off from the water and leaving his, the reflection for us to discover. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far with Dave, and I pray the masterful weaving of the ugly duckling story with Christ's story with Dave's own story has enabled you somehow to weave in your story too. From this point, our conversation moved into Dave's experience after the youth camp with his newly found church community. This final section of our interview will hopefully illuminate another Brene Brown quote, where she says, quote, because shame is a social context and happens between people, it also heals best between people. A social wound needs a social balm. End quote. But little by little, um, not only that weekend, but then following up with uh, weekly youth mass and then community events, I experienced like the... Um, the ugly duckling in that transformative moment, the season of spring, where the other um, beautiful creature come across and said, look, look, I can see your beauty. <laughs> mm, mm. And then 
um, it was almost like that the community and these relationships became like a mirror. And I also was drawn into reading the scriptures and, and into my personal prayer. So all of that was becoming more of a mirror for me to get a new vision of who I was in God. A bit like the, the duckling um, coming from winter into spring and seeing these wonderful creatures. So, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, there's a beauty here. Dare I look upon this beauty, you know, dare I that there was a warmth that I could bathe in on a love that was looking upon me. Um, and in fact, St. Augustine says, um, he says, your look of love, O Lord, has made me beautiful. Whoa. I, I've got to say it again. Um, your look of love, O Lord, has made me beautiful. He's quoting uh, from Song of Songs in the, in the Old Testament, uh, but he's shifting it around. That's normally a love poem between two lovers. But Augustine rightly, uh, and a lot of the um, early uh, church fathers and mothers, uh, drew beautifully from these as applying to the soul being the beloved and, the, and being loved by, by the Lord in this passionate, intimate sort of way. So your look of love, O Lord, has made me beautiful. Mm, beautiful. And I'm sure St. Augustine would have read The, the Ugly Duck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering whether Hans Christian Andersen read Augustine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So there we have it. I hope you found this episode helpful and healing in some way. As usual, do you consider sharing this podcast with anyone you feel who could benefit from it? And The Myth Pilgrim now also has a website at simply themythpilgrim.com. So that's another way you can easily share the work of this ministry. The practical pilgrim exercise I have for you today is as follows. Consider reading one of Dr. Brene Brown's books, which among many things deeply explore the topic of shame. As a Christian herself, I've found her work quite complementary with the faith, sometimes in amusing ways. The book I got the quotes for from this episode was called Daring Greatly but I will try and leave links to some of her other books and her famous TED Talk in the show notes and on the Myth Pilgrim website. Okay, I think that's it for now. Time to say goodbye. Until next time, dear Pilgrim, journey forth, take care and God bless. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs>